0: Hello,
1: November, telling everybody everything. You know me, I've put the tree up, I'm fucking off the rest of 2020, and we've nearly made it. Things are looking a little bit brighter, though, you know, sometimes when you get a new government, the same evil things happen, they just get swept under the rug and we hear about them less. So let's hope that democracy is restored, as a lot of people say it is, And that uh, we start seeing more changes in fewer rapists. That would be good. I saw a demonstration in Brazil. Where was this? I don't want to say it was Brazil without knowing that for a fact. But it wasn't in America. And it wasn't in the UK. And it wasn't in Canada. Anyway, a little girl. I mean, this is very triggering, by the way. So watch out. But I'm going to tell you. A 10-year-old girl was being taken for a termination. And there were all these people outside the abortion clinic being like, blah, 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 murder, the huge. And I just feel like I try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I understand that a lot of religious people do what we view as being hateful things because they believe that they are saving someone from sin, from hell, from a lifetime of misery um, in eternity, whatever. But in this case, What the hell? Uh, She had been abused for the last four years. So that means it started when she was six. And this pregnancy was the only way that authorities through the medical community were alerted to the fact that a child was being abused by a member of her family. And so I feel like religious people who are picketing this, miracle achieved. This pregnancy did already save a child's life. This pregnancy alerted the authorities to the fact that a little girl was being abused. She herself was a fetus not so long ago. Why do you have no interest in her well-being or in salvaging her life? You're outside screaming at a child, calling her a murderer. Well done. We can have differences. These are not differences. This is a fundamental. Some of the opinions that people have expose their fundamental value system. And it troubles me. And I really wish we could all be on the same page. But I know that we can't. I know that. And I'm very pro women all the time, to the point that I'm going to have to start Trojan horsing it a little bit more. I've been too overt with my feminism lately, because I'm alienating a lot of the people who used to listen to me before. It's all well and good to be a perfect feminist. I think still in 2020, you have to be a bit of a tricky feminist if you want the eyes and ears of people who are living from the Stone Age. And the best change that I can make in the world is to have their eyes and ears like Dolly Parton. She was a covert feminist. She knew that to make it in Nashville, there were some tricky little things that she had to do to get by. And she did them. And she had everyone's eyes and ears. And now we look back on her little acts of rebellion, some more overt than others, but it was always there. And she was very smart. I know we got some bad seeds. I know 55% of us are treacherous. Women can be very treacherous. We are a treacherous gender, even when it comes to comedy. It is women who will say, I just don't find female comedians funny. No other minority in stand-up will ever say that. You never hear any Asian person on earth be like, well, I just don't find Asian stand-ups funny. A black person, I don't. I just don't find black comedians very funny. But women will do that day in and day out to each other. I just don't find female comedians. Uh, I don't get it. We're not funny. And I wish we never got asked about those opinions. I will never answer that question again. There was an old man this week, um, sir, someone... Parkinson's. Like, I don't even know who he is. And I suppose he's important because he has a knighthood or maybe he just like hid some evil royal secrets. And that's how he got the knighthood. And I think he can get one by doing that. But listen, he was like, um, yes, men are just funnier than women. And that's how I feel. And I suppose I'll be canceled for this. First of all, You can have any opinion that you like. It doesn't mean you'll be canceled when a slew of people tell you that you're a fool and disagree with your opinion. That's not you getting canceled. That's someone else also having an opinion. And whenever you fight for free speech, that is what you're fighting for. I cannot stand these like, well, that's my opinion and it stands. No, people can disagree, but I don't even care. Yeah. Yes. Men are funnier than women to this guy. Of course they are. And as if I give a fuck what he thinks. We all get asked to comment on what do you think about what he said about you. I, why don't I organize a seance and ask my grandpa for his opinions on stand-up comedy while I'm at it? I don't fucking care what these irrelevant dinosaurs have to say about my industry. I wish, I wish so much that no female comic ever even commented on those opinions or gave them the dignity of airtime ever, ever again. I can be a treacherous woman. One of my best friends is someone I fucking hate. I've been friends with her for a long time. I show loyalty to this person. I wouldn't let anyone else say anything bad about her. I speak to her often. But I cannot stand this bitch. Is everyone like that? Do we all have someone like that in our circle of friends? That it just goes back so long you can't cut it off? And there are things I like about her. She's fun. Really fun. But fundamentally... Would I be friends with her if we met today? Absolutely not. Do I have respect for her? No, but I have loyalty and fondness as well as reverence for the time that we've spent together. <laughs> Am I a bad person? Email me at tellingeverybodyeverything@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Stop calling it telling everyone. It's not that. Telling everybody... Everything. Stop spelling the Duchess wrong. Holy shit. It's like there's a secret IQ test to be able to watch the Duchess. And yes, I know IQ tests are flawed, and I know that IQ tests manage to actually be classist and racist, and they don't really give accurate results. And I know that spelling is not a measure of intelligence. I know all of these things. However, when people get in touch with me because they're like, I can't find it on my Netflix because you're spelling it like P H I S, the Duchess has no T in Duchess. It's not associated with Holland, and my email address is telling everybody, everything, at gmail.com. I think I'm losing it in the second lockdown. I heard an advert in the car the other day, and it was KFC, and they said, think a pandemic could stop us frying chicken. Did you think a pandemic would stop us frying chicken? No. course I didn't. There's nothing that would stop you and your horrific treatment of chickens, specifically a zoonotic virus that you probably had. I'm not, you know, I don't want to get sued today, but no, of course, I think you would flourish in a pandemic, KFC. (laughs) Think think something as small as a pandemic would stop us frying chicken. No, I don't. I don't think a tainted meat scandal in China would stop you frying chicken. I don't think allegations that your founder is a racist, those were unfounded by the way, would stop you frying chicken. I don't think there's a single PR firestorm in the world that would stop you frying chicken. I certainly do not think a zombie apocalypse, pandemic, there's nothing that can stop you. You've made that clear, but well done taunting a virus. KFC is officially the Chuck Norris of takeaway chains. Wait a minute. I wanted to give some balance here because I really am scared that I'm going to be sued by KFC, which I wouldn't normally care about. But they're in this trinity with Pizza Hut, who I also don't care about, and Taco Bell, who I really care about. And for a while, I just started saying that I was the ambassador of Taco Bell in the UK. And you know what happened? Taco Bell just sent me a load of things. It's like they didn't check. And they believed me. They're like, oh, good. And then I got socks and some T-shirts, a Taco Bell mug. It was really great. And I love Taco Bell. But I'm reading this. KFC is to become the first UK fast food chain to sign up to new European welfare standards for farmed chickens in an attempt to tackle growing concerns about inhumane conditions in the intensive and large scale production of meat. Well, that is really good. And it puts pressure on rivals, they said, and supermarkets. And, you know, who knows now what European coalitions we are actually joining, but this is a year ago. And they want to help curb some of the cruelest aspects of the business, which sees fast-grown, overbred birds collapsing under their own weight. Well, that's excellent to know.
0: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: Emails now. This could be absolutely anything. It's titled, Please Help a Sad Gay. Me. I'm the gay. All right, Catherine, I'm a big fan. I was wondering if you could share your insights as someone who has moved from Canada to a foreign country. I currently live in the GTA and that means greater Toronto area. If you've not been to Canada or you're not familiar with Toronto, we have Toronto, which is the metropolis and then some of the boroughs used to be known as different things, I don't know, like Vaughan. And then Toronto kind of expanded to include these suburbs. But those suburbs are not suburbs now. They're like greater Toronto area. Ah, I'm a 25-year-old gay man. Oh, To be a 25-year-old gay man living in Toronto. And I've only ever been in one relationship. And it lasted a couple of months. It hardly counts. Well, sure it does. Especially as I'm told. I don't mean to be offensive. I'm told by the gay community that in gay time, that is very long time. I've been on the apps for as long as I can remember, and I have yet to find anyone who can hold a decent conversation, let alone go on a date with. It seems like people either want to hook up or nothing at all. For a while, I thought maybe it was my appearance, but I've gotten over that. I don't think I'm unattractive or anything. I'm as cute as anyone. I like to think I'm funny. I'm a fan of your comedy, so obviously that's objective. I have some fun and interesting hobbies. Like, I don't think I'm a bad prospect without coming off as obnoxious. I would date me. It just isn't happening for me. I'm starting to think maybe there are just a limited number of gays in the area and I've exhausted all the options over the course of the seven years, so I've been on dating apps. It's not that easy to meet gay people in person, especially, yeah, now that the bars and clubs are closed. So my question is, would it be insane to move somewhere for no other reason than to enter a new dating pool? I thought about relocating to Vancouver, but then a global pandemic hit, so that was kind of put on hold. Now I'm thinking maybe I should just take a leap and go for it. I don't have any friends or family anywhere but here, so I would definitely be at risk. I just don't know what else to do. Any advice you could give me that you wish you had when you moved? Well, I absolutely don't think you should move for the sole purpose of dating, but I question whether you would even entertain the possibility of moving if it wasn't also about something else. I think everyone's feeling a little bit trapped and maybe stagnated at the minute. And perhaps you think, oh, this is all about dating. But I don't think anybody moves just for dating. Because what you described to me, the ambitions of people on apps, the culture of dating, that is ubiquitous. Everyone in the world is experiencing that when they're 25 and single. I don't think it's Toronto exclusive. I know what you mean about the gay community just kind of being Church and Jarvis, like very isolated to one area, and you did have a killer on the loose for a little while, and I'm really sorry to hear about that. If you don't know about this, there was this terrible murderer in the Toronto gay community, and people were just disappearing, and it was the saddest thing ever, and he was targeting ethnic minority men, it seemed, and he was a landscaper, so he was able to hide these deceased men in in clients' gardens, and then... It, it was just terrible. And people didn't find them for a very long time. And I think, honestly, that would put me off dating for a while in Toronto. That is a terrifying story. And I hope it went worldwide because these lost men need to be remembered. Terrifying, terrifying. I know how tight the community is. Um, I would say that I think a lot of creatives working in Toronto have since gone home. My friend Andrew Johnston, don't know if you've seen him on the apps. You do describe how you've completed Grinder, so maybe. He's a very funny comedian. He moved to LA for a little while because a lot of comics have to do that when they live in Toronto, unfortunately. And now he's back home with his family just for the duration of this next lockdown. And maybe people have left for a bit and they're going to come back soon. I just wouldn't make any rash decisions motivated by a romantic relationship with a man when you're 25. I would not advise anyone to do that. If you're feeling ugh, like you want to move for another reason, this is the time of your life to do it. You're 25. Go do what you want. But certainly never to chase a man, because I'll tell you, there's plenty of time to find the perfect relationship. And the annoying thing about it is that relationship finds you. I really wish it were as easy as seeking it out, but it's not. And I moved to the UK with a man when I was 22. Um, My advice to myself would just have been not to do that, really. And then I would have missed out on the wonderful life that I have now. I turned lemons into lemonade by the grace of fucking God, but that relationship was bust and it was really difficult for a long time. But the truth is I liked the independence. I liked a fresh start. I'm from a small town. Like, you're from a small community where everyone kind of knows everyone. And I wanted to get out of that. To be honest, it wasn't really about that man. I knew I didn't like him. We had problems before we moved, but I wasn't ready to break up. And I thought, well, this is an adventure. I think you're just looking for an adventure. And a lot of us are. But we're kind of stuck right now. So um, whenever you can get away, try it. Try it. But the dating scene in Vancouver will be very similar to the one you're experiencing now. Here's another one. Hi Catherine, I'm a former single mom who went to pharmacy school while I raised my eldest son. After graduating, I got married and we've been married for more than eight years. It's going really well. Unfortunately, my career feels stagnant. I've been with the same company for a long time. I haven't had a raise in five years. I still make six figures, good for you. To even make a lateral move to another company, I would take a $20,000 pay cut. I make good money, I have nice benefits, I feel like I'm making a difference in the world and of healthcare, but when I take a step back and I look at the big picture, I don't wanna go to work. I hate it, I get grumpy thinking about work. It makes me wonder if I've fundamentally changed or if it's the job. I work 25 hours a week as a single mom while gaining my doctorate. I'm not afraid of hard work, I just don't feel appreciated. My hours vary and it's hard to have a family balance with so many expectations. I don't know what else I should do. I like school, but I feel like a moron for investing all that time and money into a field where I don't want to work any longer. Maybe I would feel like this again and plateau in another field. Plus, I like steady income. I like being able to support my family. There's such a peace in that. How do you have the courage to take the path of unfamiliarity? What are some small steps that I could take to maybe feel less suffocated in my stable yet boring career? Is it just a perspective issue? I'm 35, so I don't know if women experience a midlife crisis because I've never heard of such a thing. I don't want to look back on my life and feel like I always took the safe path. But I'm proud of the path I took for the most part. I love art. My husband encourages me to do that, but I don't want to pursue it. It feels too personal and would be incredibly difficult and rare for a woman to make that kind of money as an artist. I am feeling stuck. Thanks for your input and empowerment. Mother, can you hear me? Mom, is it is this my mom? Mom. My mother would always say, oh, I've been chained to a desk for 32 years. My mom did what she had to do for the family, earned a really good living, got benefits, and had the exact same fears as you. My mother is an actress, a singer, a dancer, an artist at heart. And part of my career and the way I chose to live my life is for my mom and my grandma and people who maybe didn't have the cultural ability at the time or the courage, I don't know what, it's a combination of things, to take those risks. She had me when she was really young, just like you had your son really young and then you get into a routine. And I understand how it's really difficult to break away from that, but... You are right now as young as you'll ever be, and you're also as old as you've ever been. I wouldn't want to live my life doing something that made me sad every day. I think I experienced something similar to this when I was very young. When I was waitressing in Toronto at Hooters, I made loads of money, loads of cash, and it was fast, easy, fun money. I hung out with my girlfriends. There's really no cap on what you could make. You just worked more hours and worked harder and took as many tables as you can. And tips in the North American customer service industry are just amazing. And I looked at my life in my 20s and I went, "Well, I don't want to be a career waitress." No offense by the way, like I should have been. I thought I need to work in an office. I need to have a legitimate job job. So I was kind of going through the opposite of what you are. But I knew to do that I would have to take a big pay cut and I would have to earn a small salary and pay tax on it, obviously, and go to an office every day. And there were benefits to that. All of a sudden, I would have free weekends, and I would be finished at night instead of working all night. And I would be able to have more of a social life with my boyfriend, and I would get to wear trousers, you know. Um, But ultimately, I tried it for a short time, And it was difficult. And then I ended up moving to the UK where you don't get tips being a waitress. And that was really difficult too. And for the first time in my life, I felt free, but poor. I could do anything. I could start again. But I was financially in the worst spot I had ever been. And then I found comedy. I was really lucky. I wasn't giving up a big high paying job to do that though I did simultaneously work in an office to support myself because that's the kind of artist that you have to be. If I were you, I would never feel stupid for getting that doctorate because even if you don't work in healthcare moving forward, no one can take that away from you. You're still going to be Dr. Blah Blah at a restaurant that you work at. How fun would it be for you to take up a bartending job or even work with a catering company or do something fun in the daytime to fund the artistic career that you also wanted to have. You could take a part-time job earning way less, yeah, but think about the benefits of being with your family and then also having the ability to do art. And you just, you can't think about how much money you will or won't make. You really have to think about the quality of life. Will you lose your house if you don't take this job? Will you not be able to send your children to school? Like, are there big, big implications I don't know what your husband does but you know you're a double income family and there are things you can do for less money that will still give you a happy life you only have to look at some cultures and even people here in the country you live in who have very little a lot of them are much happier than those who have a lot because what i learned when i had nothing is that i had everything and all this extra stuff and extra money yeah it's nice And you have freedom, but ultimately everything you need is very, very small and your happiness is priceless. And if, you know, the way you describe your misery in this letter, you've got to leave. Even if you do take a pay cut and a part-time job in the same industry for a while, you've got to do it. You can do a million things now with the internet. You can be an influencer. You can use healthcare. Use that doctorate. You're a fucking doctor. So even if you write a book, or you become a mommy blogger, or you do something with it, you are no one can take your education away from you. So you're going to figure it out. You're really smart, and you've worked really hard, and now you deserve to be happy. Our relationship email now. Hi, Catherine. I'm turning 40 in September. I have a son. I'm married to a man 15 years older than I am. Due to this shit fuck of a year, some issues came up that were hidden very, very deep. I found myself in a state of mind that I can only explain as a shift or growth of my being. Now I'm torn between leaving my husband or staying with him for the sake of my son. We don't do that. I'm going to read the rest of the letter in a second, but you don't stay with a husband for the sake of your children. I hear it all the time. I'm afraid that it is a false wisdom. It does the children no favors for everyone to pretend but be secretly miserable around them. So more on that later. I don't love my husband anymore. He is a bad, bad narcissist, and I'm in therapy for the last two years because of my mental state. I now know for sure he has a big part in that. I feel like I'm finally awake. I can't believe why I'm still with him. I don't need psychological advice, but more of a parental one. How should I tell my son about me leaving his father? I don't want to destroy him or ruin his life. He loves his father, although his father is a crazy narcissist. How can I leave him and protect my child without a major world ending scenario? Oh, okay. So this is a really good question. and I feel equipped to answer it. So you already know that you don't stay with your husband to protect your son. You just want to protect your son regardless. Well, let me tell you, very recently in my life, one of my very good friends and her husband decided to split. And then finally, she got the courage to tell her daughter and the daughter took it fine. It was all this buildup. How are we going to tell her? When are we going to tell her? What's she going to say? And they explained it in a really, really smart and mature way, I think. And here's what they said. I don't think she'll mind me telling. They said, listen, your dad and I are really good friends. We love each other. We're always going to love each other, but we don't want to have sex anymore. (laughs) I don't know how old your son is or if he's prepared to hear an explanation like that, but they understand relationships at a certain age and they understand that if your boyfriend and girlfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend or whatever, like then you have a romance and you kiss and they know, I think about sex. They learn it in school at some point. So I think there's a version of that, of just being like, we'll always be friends and we'll always love you and you have access to both of us and nothing's going to change really, but we don't want to sleep in the same bed anymore and we don't want to be romantic anymore. And the kid was just like, great. I can see why you wouldn't want to do that. Sick. And then crucially moving forward, you have to truly forgive your husband for being a narcissist. You have to just let it go. Because once you're out, then you won. And that's the mentality that I take and the mentality that I advise everyone. It doesn't matter who was wrong, who was right. None of that matters anymore. You're out. It's done. Bury it. And then I wouldn't have much contact with him Because you're going to want to start a new life and you don't want any animosity. Narcissists take rejection very, very badly. And so just communicate when it's to do with your son. I would encourage you just to text, not even do phone calls because you always want a record of times and everything. And work out a routine, stick to the routine. And it's tough. It's really mucky at the beginning. But then everyone gets used to it. Never slag him off in front of his child. Hopefully he doesn't do the same with you. Don't ask questions if you think the answer A doesn't matter or B is going to be a lie. Just deal with him on a purely transactional basis. I think it was Gandhi, actually, who said that 90% of the things we worry about are never even going to happen anyway. So deal with your son on a day-to-day basis. Just act like this is the next page in the book of his life. Oh, yeah. You're still going to see your dad. He's just not my romantic partner anymore. And the more calm and honest that you are, then I think the better he will be at accepting it. And once he sees the new routine, half his friend's parents are going to be divorced anyway. Don't build it up. I think he'll deal with it fine. My friend was shocked that her daughter was as cool with it as she was. And this was recently, but, you know, so far, no surprises, no repercussions. It's going really well. Kids are a lot more savvy then you think that he probably already knows something's up. So good luck. Don't get yourself into any fights. It's going to be a gross time, but just keep it transactional. Think about your son. It sounds like you're doing everything correctly already. And congratulations on this new existential shift in your consciousness. I think you're about to be really, really happy. Oh God, here's one about sex in lockdown. Catherine, as freelancers, my boyfriend and I lost a lot of income this year and we had to give up our flats in London. I'm very sad about that. I'm sorry. We were living separately, but because lockdown means you have to bubble up, we wanted to stick together during this time and have been living at his parents' house since March. This helps us save money to live together when work picks back up again. But it's been eight months now and I'm starting to feel frustrated and sad that I'm not where I want to be, living with my boyfriend without his mom and dad. Luckily, his parents are lovely, but anyone can get on your nerves in lockdown, especially someone you don't really want around you every day anyway. I could not live with another adult's parents. Absolutely not. I couldn't live with my own parents. I couldn't even live at this point with a flatmate that I wasn't banging. I cannot believe that you've achieved this for eight months. My heart goes out to you. Well done. I am amazed that you haven't killed them. The general parenty vibe means that our sex life has taken a hit. We've been together two years, my longest relationship. I'm 25, he's 28. He's the love of my life and my best friend. But during lockdown, we have sex a lot less than our usual pre-lockdown, and it definitely affects us. When you're in the middle of sex and hear his parents blowing their noses and walking around outside the door, it really kills the mood. We still love each other so much and we really fancy each other, but we can't really be spontaneous like we were before as our only private room in the house is, of course, his bedroom next to his parents' bedroom. I've always found it hard to climax with other partners, but with him it's not a problem, usually. Now that it's not happening very often, isn't lasting long enough, I'm not finishing. We both feel self-conscious. He then bums out and feels bad for finishing when I don't. Well, congratulations, because actually what you have gained in this lockdown is not his parents, but it sounds like two children of your own. Welcome to married life. You have two snotty members of the family (laughs) running around outside your door. There's no more spontaneity in how you have sex. You have to hide. You can't climax. You have to be quick. Your parents So this has actually accelerated your relationship. How romantic. You're just getting a taste of what it will be like with the love of your life if you ever decide to expand your fam. This is exactly what all of us are going through in lockdown and probably what his parents are going through in lockdown. I bet they banged all over that house before you moved in. His father blowing his nose is just foreplay, you know, because he's like, I need a clear airway to go down on my wife tonight and you and this boyfriend have ruined it why because you can't find a cheap flat in london well that is the problem that you've got with the tory government not with his parents you need to vote your way out of this and i'm trying to help maybe you guys could find like a really 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 small cottage outside of london i know times are tough and you're not working a lot but maybe that means you can go to the seaside Margate is lovely this time of year, and he can get some cheap accommodation. And then his parents can get back to doing what they do best, banging in an empty house. And then so can you, because eight months is just too long. This sounds like a fucking nightmare. Do you have a car? Because my husband and I, when we were teens, we lived with our parents, obviously. And so we would bang in the car, not in like a dogging sense. Maybe it's too busy in London to get a clear car park. We had a lot of for, I mean, dogging happens in forests, but No, maybe not the car. Look, you're just going to have to adjust, find a quiet time to bang. Do his parents leave the house at all? Maybe get a schedule going? Early in the morning's no good because old people are awake. I bet that's when they're doing it. They're getting it in 6am when you two are still asleep. Boy, there's just nothing that can fix this apart from lifting the lockdown. And I hope that's going to happen soon. Am I I just feel so bad for you because it's an awkward time. The best advice that I can offer is to try to move, even to the smallest, smallest studio flat in a different city. Just move there because your independence is everything. But at least this has been a crash course in having small children and in getting married. And it will really be the test to show, is this the love of your life? If you can survive this lockdown, yes, it is. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. You can email me at tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. Loads of emails that I was not able to get to this week. Don't worry if I didn't answer your email because I often comb through them backwards. And the ones you heard this week might have been from two or three weeks ago. So I always try to get to as many as I can and answer them properly. I just talk a bit too much. Um, If I didn't answer your email and you'd like me to see it again, just bump it, you know what I mean? Send it again, forward it again, because I have so many now, I'm so popular.